Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts. I'm Spen. He's Pete. And we are the premier podcast for everything Brooklyn Nets basketball, hashtag Nets world, hashtag tech guys with jumpers. Anyway, we welcome onto the podcast for the first time another prominent member of Nets Twitter, AJ from Nets Kingdom. AJ, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Big fan of Fireside. and. Um... Always glad to support Nets World content, so I'm here. Hell yeah! What's what's yeah. going on for you on this uh, on this Monday night? Anything? Anything news? Oh man, uh, you know, just dropped a good article uh, about like a couple hours ago. Surfing the web, you know, just looking at um, certain content. Guys working out, you know how it is. Yeah, we're gonna get into you know the fact that this is like the most one of the most dead times in the offseason because I was I, I was scrolling through Nets Twitter and I could I can tell you guys this all I saw was baseball content all I saw <laughs> yeah. was Mets Yankees why both teams suck yeah. and and to be honest with you AJ I could not give two shits about baseball it is not my <laughs> sport I was just telling Pete before the show how much I hate it um, but you know you you give me a great segue because you talked about the article that you posted earlier today grading the Brooklyn Nets offseason. Yeah. So, AJ, I'm going to put you on the spot here. How would you grade this offseason for Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets so far? Oh, man, man. That's a great question, man. Uh, well, I just want to shout out Cypher, one of the guys that wrote this article. Um, great article, by the way, so check it out on NetsKingdom.net. I mean, Sean really didn't do it for me, man. I mean, I'm going to give Sean an honest grade. I'm going to give him a C-plus around that area. Um the releasing of, I mean, getting rid of Joe Harris and Patty Mills, I wanted that to happen from the start. I mean, I think he should have shed salary from the beginning um, during the draft, but he ended, he ended up doing it, so that was okay. That was a relief for us. We needed the, um, to replace those guys with athletic talent, and we did with um, Dennis Smith Jr., um, Baisley, and then we got Lonnie Walker. So the shedding salary and then adding the athleticism was cool, but the thing that Sean didn't really do for me is – the Edmund Sumner situation where he released Edmund Sumner, I feel like he could have got some value back for him. He could have got a, at least a second round or some type of value back instead of just letting him go. I feel like Sumner had a little bit of more value than that just to let him walk or let him go. And then um, the Noah Clowney situation, the draft, I'm going to talk about that. Well, Jalen Wilson, we all love him. He did great in the summer league. He's promising. Um, Noah Clowney is a kind of a project, so it's a little <sighs> – I love Noah, but it's just like he's going to take some time. So that didn't – the draft was kind of like, eh, for me. And then we got to see how uh, uh, t- uh, Whitehead's going to turn out. we got to see how he turns out. And then as far as the free agency, like I said, the Darius Baisley, um, Dennis Smith Jr., we did need a backup point guard. I think that we addressed that situation. Dennis Smith could fill that role slightly, but then there's questions about Spencer. We don't – you know, I've seen it on that Twitter. We're all wondering, can Spencer be a true point guard? I mean – we know Ben Simmons is going to be in the mix, but Nets fans are hesitant about Ben Simmons because we have it's like a question mark. It's an if. It's like, is Ben Simmons going to be good or is he going to be bad or is he going to be healthy or is he going to be like, we don't know. He's supposed to be the starting point guard or he's supposed to be starting, but we don't know what direction the, the um, 
the Nets are going to go in that situation. So it's like Sean Mars kind of didn't leave. He left that kind of doubt of the point guard situation. And then, of course, the, the big man position, because we only have Nick Claxton and Dayron. And that's not enough for me. You know, I need another backup center. I need another big body to rebound. And that didn't, he didn't do that for me. You know, I mean, he didn't know a clown situation. He might not even play this year. So it's like if Nick Claxton gets hurt, we're cooked. <laughs> so we, we cooked at the center position. If you want to keep it honest, y'all, I mean, how do y'all feel? But I give him a C. Do you too much trying to get rid of Joe Harris? And then after doing that, basically we just took Harris's salary, yeah. Patty's salary, and just used it to pay CJ. Yeah. So is it really improving the team? Like I, I don't think so. I think that's kind of a cop out. Yeah, yeah, I think? agree. I agree because it's like if those those guys had to be moved, and we're he's kind of relying on Ben Simmons' health because it's it's either do or die on Ben Simmons' health. If Ben Simmons' health, if Ben Simmons is him, and he's back to normal, then we're up. But if he's cooked then this roster is kind of falling up. It's not the roster construction is not good because we have so many wings. It's not really diversified. I mean, the point guard situation is still up in the air. And then the backup big position, like if, like I said, God forbid, let me knock on wood. Hope Claxton don't get hurt. But if he gets hurt, we're cooked because we're, we're relying on Dayron. And I don't think Dayron's ready to be put in that role yet. I mean, Nets fans might think that, but to me, he hasn't proven the, to give Dayron a ton of minutes at the backup big position, you know? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I hear you on that. I, I'd give him a C minus. That, that's yeah. where I'd go right now. I think they've done just enough not to get a failing grade. Uh, but like you said, not addressing the backup center position. The Noah yeah. Clowney pick looks really weird right now. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I, I, I agree with you on the point guard. Uh, and I know, I know Pete, you got, um, I know you have a question for AJ. Who do you, my, my question, AJ, is who do you think, should be the next point guard. Do you think it should be a healthy Ben Simmons or a healthy Spencer Dinwiddie? Uh, me personally, I'd rather Ben start. Like, if I had the choice, I would want Spencer to come off the bench and run the second unit, um, hmm. run that second unit. But like I said, we don't know about Ben, but my, my, I want Ben to start. I want Ben to, if Ben is fully healthy and Ben is like him, I want, he should be our starting point guard, in my opinion. But it's just a question mark. And then the Dennis Smith Jr. role, I think that could be helpful. I saw him a little bit on the Hornets. Um, he can play make, and he's athletic. I mean, his shot is not really that good. You know, he's not really a good three-point shooter. But he can um, – I think he can subsidize a little bit of those backup point guard minutes that, you know, we've been searching for. Yeah, my last question for this is going to be, how do you feel about the overall change from a three-point shooting team to less three-point shooters but a lot more younger and a lot more athletic? I think we all can agree we wanted to get a lot more athletic going into next year, but I kind of feel like we kind of went a little bit too overboard. Dennis Smith, a three-point shooter, right? A couple guys, Ben can't shoot. Nick can't shoot. How do you feel about that overall? Uh, it hurts because, like, we needed to – we have to – like, now that we have the athleticism, now we're going to have to de um, depend on guys cutting. Um, again, it, a, po a point guard setting these guys up. Because you think about Mikhail and CJ's game, they need a strong point guard to set them up to come off the screens, come off ball. You know, Mikhail loves coming off ball and getting set up. And then CJ is a guy, he's a wing, a 3 and D wing. So now that we don't have as much shooting, it's going to be really reliant on guys cutting to the rim, getting to the basket, creating rim pressure. And then, um, at, at, like I said, um, the point guard setting them up. 
And then because Claxton, he needs to be set up too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like we're gonna have to switch away. And I know Jacques Vaughn, um, he had a quote like I think a couple of weeks or before the season ended, like, I want to shoot 43s a game or something like that. Like he wanted to shoot so many three-pointers. That was one of his main like things, shoot a whole bunch of three-pointers. But it's now that we lost to shooting, I'm interested to see what Jacques Vaughn's game plan is because he always wanted to shoot threes. We have so many wings. He was like, let me shoot threes, shoot threes. But it's like, what are we going to do now, you know? Oh, Spen, you're muted. Thank you, you for that. I think it's a wild change in, in terms of the team's culture, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, going from the three-point, the, the team that shoots a lot of threes, the team that it's going to be, they're going to be cutting and slashing. Yeah. I don't know how effective, I don't know how effective they're going to be. Um, but I did want to, I did want to get to this next segment. Uh, it's called, what are these players ceilings? So I got three names here, AJ. We'll start with the quote unquote star of the Brooklyn Nets, Mikhail Bridges. What do you think is his ceiling next season? Uh, I think Mikhail is going to be uh, a lot better than we saw. I think he's going to be around 27. I think his ceiling right now is probably all-star. I'm going to give him that all-star um, solidified all-star, I guess, 27 points per game whatever you want, six rebounds, how many assists. I think his shooting percentage is going to be slightly um, pretty good. I don't know if it's going to be in the 40s. Like, we saw type KD-type numbers at the end of the last season. He was doing, like, 50, 40, 90 on some 27 points per game. If he can get that, I don't think that's really sustainable for the whole season. But if he can do that, I mean, that's all-star. That's all-star right there. But I'm, I'm going to say 25 points per game and all-star is his ceiling. I'm going to say that for – for Mikhail. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree there. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, that's a tough question. I don't even want to answer that question. I'm going to use some hard <laughs> questions today. Praying for right, him, ne- bro. We're praying for him. We're praying for him. Next guy <laughs> up. What is, what is Cam Johnson's ceiling? Oh, I think uh, now that he got paid, I think that's going to be, a, we're going to see the unlock of, of CJ. Cause you remember the 76ers series. I mean, he was amazing. Those there first two those first two games, the dunk on Joel, and you just saw him um, create off the dribble. I think him, he's got to focus on creating off the dribble now instead of just being like one of those catch or shoot three guys. Like, you're going to be Mikhail's second guy to score. So, we're going to need you to up your, you know, up your um, points to at least 20 points per game. I think he was averaging like 17 or 18 around there, but he's going to up, he should up it to 20. And at least, uh, I don't think he'll be an all-star this year, but at least a solid role player, like solid, solid, solid. Um, you know, if, if if I was a young Nets fan and I had just started watching the team, I would want a poster of Cam Johnson's dunk on Joel Embiid <laughs> yeah. in my in my freaking bedroom, bro. I would look at that every day, and that would be my motivation. Yeah. Pete, your, your, your thoughts on Cam Johnson? Yeah. Is it realistic, guys, for him to put up the numbers that he did in the Philly series? Or was it because they were focusing on Dinwiddie, focused on If we can get a team with CJ putting up, you know, obviously not those numbers, but similar, I feel pretty good about, about the starting lineup at least. I don't know about the bench, but is it realistic to kind of expect around those Philly series numbers? It's hard to say because now that – we didn't really see the Nets fully at their um, – I guess because the trade happened, everybody was kind of scrambling – so now I think defenses and coaches are going to kind of hone in. They're going to probably – Mikhail's going to be the guy that gets doubled. So if he's the main scoring threat, I think Mikhail's going to get doubled. That kind of leads CJ to get a lot of more open looks. 
but I'm not expecting him to like uh, get those type. Well, those type of numbers. I mean, I'll, I hope so. But <laughs> those type of numbers. I mean, like I said, I think he's going to go up to 20 points per game just because of Mikhail's getting doubled or Mikhail's going to get the attention, and then he might get some looks off that open looks. But yeah, the numbers he was doing in in the Sixers series, he was shooting lights out. Like it was above 40. I mean, he is a good three point shooter, but it was it was it was insane. CJ to me is he's a difficult player to analyze and, and shout out yeah. to Manuel Cintron. He wrote, do you think CJ can take an unexpected leap? Does he have the potential? He commented uh, in our live stream. He's a very tough player to compare to anybody else because he shows flashes of brilliance on the court. He can shoot the three. He can yeah. drive. His handle isn't the strongest. No, he's an okay ball handler. He's not an excellent creator off the dribble, but he can when he needs to. I remember, I think it was against Miami. He hit some yeah. ridiculous, remember like the half 360 layup that he shot oh, above his yeah, head? Yeah. That should have been a foul. I don't think they called it. Um, there are moments where I see that and I think, okay, this guy can be like, like a top 25, top 30 scorer, but I, I haven't seen that enough on a consistent basis. And he was so... You know, when he was with Phoenix, he was such a different player. He was he was a spot-up 3-and-D guy with Phoenix. He didn't have yeah, to do exactly. much else. So th- there's so much unknown with Cam Johnson. It, it's such a difficult question to, uh, to to sort of, uh, like, even wonder what his ceiling is because we really don't know. Yeah, we really don't. If he, Like I said, if he unlocks, like just what you said, if he unlocks that off-the-ball sh- uh, creation, that shot creation, then that's the, uh, that's the next level for him because he got to transition from just being a 3-and-D spot-up guy so okay, I'm the second guy to Mikhail, and I'm gonna get mine and help out the team and score like that, you know, and then play defense. Yeah, these are the Philly series numbers. He mm-hmm. put up 18 points, shot 42% from three, 50 okay. field, put up about six uh, six rebounds, almost three assists. That's pretty good. Actually, that, yeah, that, I think it, that's realistic. I think that's realistic. I think that's realistic for him for the season. Yeah, I think that's realistic. Try to even like the one guy that comes to mind in terms of just his body is Brandon Roy. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, a little that's bit, a good comparison. right? Can you guys, a little bit, yeah. a little bit of comparison to him. Um, Brandon Roy was just so. Oh my God, the shot creation, yo, he was just a knockdown clutch. And I, CJ has some clutch moments too. Like CJ does have some clutch moments when he was on the Suns. So those them two, that's a good comparison. I like that. I, like that. I would say that's his ceiling, right? If he can get yeah. the Brandon Roy level, the Nets are are winning. Yeah. Um, the last guy in terms of, you know, the player's ceiling, and this one's fun because I don't think there's a guy on Nets Twitter, uh, is just so up and down and it's Nick Claxton. Like there are some people that think his offensive ascension is going to be ridiculous. Mm. And there are people that think that he already peaked offensively. So AJ, where do you stand on Nick Claxton? Oh man, like I said, I'm, I'm a Nick Claxton fan. Fan, like I've been a even when Nets Twitter kind of was down on him, I was up on Nick, and I just like ever since I saw him, I was like, this guy is six eleven and can move his feet and defend every position like I haven't seen before in my life. Like his ability to switch is incredible, and he, I think he got robbed in the Defensive Player of the Year um, last year. Like I think he, he, like JJ, JJJ should have got it. Like he deserved what he got, but. Nick Claxton was a far, 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 I think he should have been second at least right after JJJ because he was leading the league in blocks per game and he was up in the league in blocks. And then even though they put Brooke Lopez over him, I'm like, bro, Nick Claxton can guard one through five. Brooke can't do that. Brooke can't get on the um, three-point line and guard Dane. 
or to guard uh De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that point. But for Nick's growth, again, it, it's his offensive game. I think what he has to do is the coaches have to let him shoot. All right. I need the coaches to encourage him to shoot and say, Nick, you could shoot that mid-range shot, that midi. If you find you in a corner, if Spencer sees you in a corner, you can shoot that shot. They got to, like, give him the confidence to shoot that shot. That's the one. So he's got to unlock that. And then the second part, I think, is adding more to his post game because he needs to learn how to score in a post. And he's done it. Like, he gets the ball at the high post, and he sometimes turns and drives and gets his little um, layups and sky hooks, left hook, right? He gets that off. But now it's just get your um, back to the basket in that post game, you know, back down. Um, get buckets like that, drop steps, you know, just creating in that mid area in that offensive area along with your midi. Then he can up his points per game to 8, 16, 17, you know, because the defense is going to be set. He's already all-star defense, all defense. It's just the offense where I think Nets fans are just waiting to see if he takes that leap again, you know, that that he made the leap, he made the jump, but now he's going to make the offensive jump for this year. So, I think he's going to have a good year also, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I remember moments throughout the season, and, and one play in particular, but the shot clock would be winding down. Uh, Claxton would have the ball baseline in your head. You're almost screaming, don't shoot it, don't shoot it. Yeah. He pulls, and he swishes it, and it was yeah. butter. And you're yeah. like, why don't I see this You know, on a nightly basis? He, he yeah. has the tools to be great. You just want to see him put it all together. He needs um, need the confidence. He needs the confidence. Bro, yeah. his, one of his first shots when he got drafted by us was he hit a three. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. we know he in college he was just kind of like Clowney. He was right. shooting threes. He was shooting threes just like Clowney. Like he was shooting threes just like that. But I don't know what happened during that development time. I know the injuries. but well, And, and when you play with guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, your yeah. looks are going to be limited to yeah, lobs. Sure. And that's sure. really it. Well, guess what? It, it's Mikhail Bridges, it's Cam Johnson, and it's Spencer Dinwiddie. Other than those three guys, nobody on this team can really create offense. Yeah. You know, Cam Thomas, when he gets in there, but he plays five minutes a game. We'll get to him later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if if he was ever going to make a jump offensively, this next season is the season to do it. Yeah. Uh, Pete, your, your thoughts on Nick Claxton? Yeah, I think a lot of people forget. Maybe you guys remember this. I think it was in high school. Nick Claxton was a guard. I'm pretty sure I remember that. He had a lot of ball handling skills. And yeah. if you look at some of his G League like games, Nets Daily posted a clip. He was hitting threes. It was only seven games. Yes, very small sample size. He had 50% from three. He was cutting to the rim. He was taking handoffs. Like, the guy has a handle. And, yes, we had Katie and Kyrie, right? So we're not going to give him the ball over them. But, like, I, I think we're going to see something here. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, 35% from three. But I definitely gonna, I expect 15 points from Clax, and it's going to be very interesting to see what he does. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, if he, if he unlocks that midi or a three, just a midi or a three for a jump shot, that will seal it all because the coaching staff has to give him that confidence or he's not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Or he's gonna not gonna um shoot. Or he's gonna be willing to take the jumper. That's the thing. That's the thing where Ben we Ben is scared of just to take the jumper. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to just to take it and not think about it. And move on, but he—that's what Nick's got to be able to do. And I think Nick can has the confidence, but the coaching staff just got to keep encouraging him. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add on th- add on to this, guys. This is from B-Ball Index. They they put up a tweet yesterday, actually saying Nick's Cla- Nick Claxton is a crazy efficient off-ball scorer. They rate him A plus in transition scoring, 
pick and roll, roll man, A+, plus, putbacks, A+. Plus. If he gets a little room and a little more opportunity, I really think we're going to see a big growth. Coming into the year, uh, maybe even just a week ago, I didn't think there was going to be much room for development, but I'm excited. I'm excited. Is he going to be the guy that you could look for the most growth in the lineup? Out of the, maybe the starting predicted starting five, who grows the most? Who has the most to work with, uh, opportunity in playing time? Oh, I think I think it's between it's definitely Nick and then maybe CJ. Um, I think Spencer, it is what it is at this point. And then Mikhail, I think we're just expecting Mikhail to be great because of what we saw last year. So I think it's between um, Nick and, and CJ. Those two guys, I think, have an a great, great, great chance to grow in this, um, have a great year, you know what I'm saying? Take it to the next level. CJ with his off-ball and with his on-ball shot creation, scoring more load, and then Nick, the offensive leap, if that comes, it's just, it will definitely help us. Manuel Cintron asks, can he reach Pascal Siakam level? I don't think so. Claxton? Yeah, (laughs) I, I think that's... We're getting a little no. bit unrealistic there. I like Siakam's extremely nice no. with it on all three levels. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know about that. Is he trolling? I, us? I can't. What did you say? <laughs> I said, is he trolling us? Or is he no, like... I don't know. I think he. Oh. I mean, listen, it, it's a legitimate question, I guess. Right, uh, all right, all right. There, there's really not someone I, I can think of in the NBA who reminds me of of Claxton. I mean, you know, he, he's this in the same caliber of the Robert Williams. The Mitchell Robinsons, although he's he's able to stay on the court. I'll say the closest maybe Chris Bosh, but Chris wasn't Chris was not good as good defensively as, as Nick. Chris right. Chris Bosh would switch on the perimeter sometimes, and then he and then he had the shot, he had the three point shot, but he wasn't. Yeah, like I said it's, I, it's hard to. I like hard to that comparison. Now. I, yeah. I think their bodies are similar. I think Chris Bosh is a very good sort of ceiling. For, and listen, if Claxton develops a, a three-point shot or even a mid-range shot, his game opens up completely. He becomes a different yeah. player. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think – but it's hard to compare him. Like I said, when I first saw him in the draft and watched film, I'm like, I've never seen somebody guard guards like at this rate, at 6'11", at his height. I'm like, he can move his feet like a guard on the defensive end. It's It's, it's amazing. I got a question for you now, now that you just mentioned that. But does that hurt the Nets with the roster and the lineup that we put out? Yes, we're going to have Claxton doing a great job defending a guard on the perimeter. But then a shot goes up. Who's going to rebound? We have CJ uh-huh. at the floor, maybe. I don't know who else might be there. Like, it really hurts the rebounding. I agree. Well, who do you guys think like this? Who would y'all starting lineups be? Because I have I've seen so many people who want to put Ben and Spence, but I don't want to put Ben and Spence together. I think my my starting lineup would be um, Ben McHale, CJ at the three. I might put DFS at that four, and then the class at the five. That's my like. I know it's a big lineup, but I think um, DFS is six eight. I think maybe if we can, we're still not going to be a good rebounding team, and that's Sean Marks' fault. Like we just got to give it up. <laughs> we're just we just as Nets fans, we're gonna accept like. We're not gonna. We're gonna give you shitty at rebounding, bro. We're gonna be shitty. But and then a lot of Nets fans talk about Ben and class. Can that work? And it did work at times when we had Katie and Kyrie, but they're just such great scorers. So it's like now we've got to see like it's all on coaching because you want to keep you want to see if if you can keep Ben as a screener, a constant screener. I think and then keep class in the dunker spot. I think that will kind of. You can try to make it work, but we'll see. Like I said, it's it's all about the offensive scheme and what the coaches do. 
to make that work because defensively, like there's times last year I saw Ben and um, Clax be together on the defensive end and it was unstoppable. Like they were getting steals, blocks, transition buckets. Like at their peaks, I was like, oh, no one's scoring on us with Ben and Clax. But now it's like the offensive part. They got to make that gel. And I don't know if, if I hope Jacques Vaughn and with his new staff can do that, man. So you're starting five. You have Dinwiddie coming off the bench in that scenario. Pete, give yeah. me give me your starting five right now. If you would have asked me two days ago, I would have had Spence coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a little deep dive into his numbers. I really do think with Ben Simmons, you know, of course, being healthy, the way that he creates threes. Look at Spencer Dinwiddie's numbers in Dallas. He was great off the ball. Tremendous off the ball as the secondary ball handler. I really think that he can work. I think he hit 71% from the right corner in Dallas last year. Obviously, tremendous numbers. I really do think it could work with a lineup of Ben Spence, Bridges, CJ at the four, and Clax at the five. I don't love CJ at the four, but uh, I think he's the best option at this point. And you're right, AJ. Definitely blame uh, Sean Marks for that. He's <laughs> yeah. a better power forward. What about you, Spence? Like, who do you? <laughs> How do you feel? So I, I, I agree with Pete on that starting five. What bothers me is that Sean Marks, you know, we're, we're hyping up Ben Simmons so much. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be our guy. If that's the case, then why didn't we move Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal? No. I, I feel like they bring the same energy. They're, they're both glue guys. They're both hustle guys that make the right play, but neither of them really stand out. Look, Royce – did so much for this team last year from like running point in certain scenarios to, to guarding big men um, and, and DFS. It was kind of a plug and play. He had his moments. He struggled. Uh, but, but for me, you know, the reason that we give this team such a low grade in this off season is because they didn't address a lot of needs. And, and now you have, you know, guys on the bench that like, oh, I love Royce. I love Dorian Finney Smith. These guys can start other places, but yeah. they kind of do the same thing. So, yeah. so for me, um, and I, I think, by the way, I think if, if Spence comes off the bench, I have this theory, he's just going to be fucking livid. And mm, I think he's going to be yeah. really upset. You know, this is a guy that w- w- he was, he was our, one of our best players a few years ago. Uh, he, he leaves after we get all these good guys. They leave. He comes back. And now all of a sudden we're going to demote him to, to a bench role, even if it's a six-man role. And then yeah. if you do that, AJ, Cam Thomas's role becomes almost obsolete at that point. Oh, yeah. I, and it hurts me. To, it hurts me. We're going to talk about Cam, but it hurts to right. see Cam be put in that position. And I, I don't, and my, my opinion is that I want Ben to start, but like what I really think the coaching is going to do, I don't think they're going to start Ben. I think they're going to keep that lineup they had last year and then ease Ben in, see how he does off the bench and see if he's Ben again. If he's Ben again, then he might have a chance to start. But I think the starting lineup that they're going to put out is going to be the last year's kind of what they did last year with that same lineup with Spence at the point guard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this week, I thought it was very, very interesting. We've been seeing a lot of Ben Simmons throughout the offseason, him working out, the Photoshop muscle picture, like like all, all this good stuff. And then Mark Spears goes on ESPN saying, Ben Simmons is the healthiest he's ever been since Philly. Since his <laughs> Philly years. He's healthy now. He's back. And ben Simmons- goes on, I think it was a Sirius XM, and talks about Ben Simmons healthy. You know, he's going to be the starting point guard, blah, blah, blah. Coming completely, almost feels like almost out of nowhere. Uh, well, have you guys ever seen a bigger PR push for a player than Ben Simmons has been getting this offseason? 
Bro, it is it really bothers me. Like every single offseason, we get that Ben Simmons. Do you know we get the workout videos? We get the hype. We get the, you know, the, the reporters gassing it. And then it just it's like this, it's like I'm in deja vu with it, bro. And it's like I want the best for Ben, bro, because he's on my team. He's a net. So it's like I want him to succeed. But it's like I can't believe anything you put out. I can't believe any report you say that you're the healthiest. I can't believe any of that until I see it in the game, you know, and until I see a stretch of games where Ben is producing and what he does, giving us what he does, what, 10, 8, and 8, you know, or whatever, 12, 8, and 8. If When I see Ben doing that, then I'm, I'll believe it. But now it's just like, I'm just like, every time I see those reports, I'm just like, eh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh- I'll tell you guys this. I, I hold a lot more water in what Mikhail Bridges said on uh, Paul George's podcast about oh. how his teammates have Ben Simmons is back and they have faith in him. And like, I hear that from a teammate that makes me a little bit more optimistic than the guy that Ben Simmons pays to manage his career saying, oh. yeah, my client is the healthiest he's ever been. Like that's his freaking job. Let, let, you know, let's, Let's chill with building up your client. Let's listen to what guys like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jacques Vaughn are yeah. saying about Ben Simmons. Um, yeah, I, I, and I agree with you. I Here's my thing. I don't think that Ben Simmons is going to ever be as great as he was in Philly, but I think that he will be sufficient enough in a role for the Brooklyn Nets that he works with this team, right? Because, look, on Philly, he was the second best player on the team, and I'm not talking about the, the years with Jimmy Butler – um, I'm not talking about that team. I'm talking about every other year with Embiid, he was the second guy. He has to be the fourth or fifth best player on the court when he's out there. I think that's something that he can handle. And and last year, last year was tough. He, he had to deal with injury. You know, you had the mental hurdles. You had the roster uh, completely transforming. So I guess we can give him a pass, right? We can say, okay, pass last year. But this next year, AJ and Pete, there's no excuses for no him. No excuses, if he, if he isn't Ben Simmons or if he isn't close – to what he was in Philly, he, his time in Brooklyn is over. You got to think about trading him, flipping him. You got to think about flipping him. And, and we hope it, he's, he shows us a little bit of something so Sean Mars can get some value off of him if, if you know, if it comes to that. But I'm, I 100% agree with you. Like, I don't think we're going to get Philly, Ben. I, I mean, I'm, I'm praying we do. But my realistic basketball brain is like, Philly, Ben was an all-star first team, all defense, giving you 15, 8, and 8. Every single night with a with all star defense and all like all star bucket, like he was an all star and playmaking. It was just and the athleticism was out the roof. So I don't know if we're gonna get that bet. It's just it, it worries me, bro. It's because it's like Sean Marks put so much pressure in the on the roster construction, the way the roster is built. If Ben is cooked, it's like everything just goes. Down. It's like everything. You know, everything is just like downward spiral after that with Ben. Because I don't want us to put that much pressure on Ben, but now it's like he has to be good or it's like we're kind of cooked, man. It's bad. I feel like I'm playing blackjack and I've lost like 15 hands in a row and I have $20 left and I'm going to put it, this is my last hand and I, I got to get 21. I just have to, because if I don't, I'm leaving the casino, I'm taking the next flight home from Vegas and I'm done getting yeah, exactly, bro. Because, bro, if ben, like I said, if Ben's not good, it's trade. It's time to trade, man. It's, I'm sorry, Ben. It's time. We gave you so many sh- – like, it's, it might have to be time to trade. Yeah. Yeah, we saw the roster struggling with offense so much, and this kind of leads us in, into the next segment of the Camp Thomas conundrum. 
He put up the three 40-point games. Everybody got all hyped. And then all of a sudden, disappears. Yeah. Doesn't get any playing time. Really, uh, really surprising that a team that struggled so much for off would not kind of use Cam Thomas. I, it's it's very confusing to me. Do you think we're going to finally see some playing time with Cam in this upcoming year? I think they have to, right? Yeah. Uh it's tough because it's like now that we added um, Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker, and Lonnie Walker is kind of like similar to Cam. He's like a microwave scorer off the bench, like like legit, like kind of like a older version of Cam, you know. But he's a microwave scorer, so it's like is Jacques Vaughn, and I don't know what situation. I talked about this on my um, streams and pods. Like, there's something going on with Cam in the organization and in Jacques. Like there's some type of beef or some type of situation where they're not unleashing Cam. I mean, there was no reason he shouldn't have been playing Patty Mill. We were playing Patty Mills and some of these guys off the bench in the playoffs over Cam. And it's like it's it was just sickening. It was maybe sick to my stomach that we saw that because this guy has so much potential and scoring in this NBA, in this modern NBA, scoring is a gifted talent you don't want to get rid of because that is one of the top assets in the game is scoring and getting a bucket you know <laughs> you can't really certain things you can teach but when the guy can score like cam it's just one of those gifts you don't want to just give away and i'm afraid that if this situation with him and the nets keep going this certain way that it is and he's not getting minutes it might just end up us just moving away from cam and i hate to see it you hate to see it man but what do you think Spam? yeah yeah, I uh, like I I wrote this question. I just wrote the Cam Thomas conundrum because I, I don't know. I, I've seen the guy go off. We didn't play him down the stretch. Defensively, he's not the best, but it's the NBA and it's 2023. That shouldn't matter. Yeah, right. Like you playing Johnson, Joe Harris. Uh, yeah, yeah. These not defensive guys. Right, right. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird. And and you make I didn't think about the Lonnie Walker signing, but you yeah. make a great point. He gave the Lakers some excellent minutes off the bench. In those when he saved Bronze Legacy, bro, in the in the in the playoffs when he scored yeah. 16 in the fourth quarter, that was a uh, Warriors game, right? Yeah, it was a Warriors. Yeah, game. so I I don't like. My problem is I just don't see the minutes there for Cam. Mm. I don't. They have so many guards at this point. You picked up Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker, so yeah. they're going to get minutes. Um, you have Derek Whitehead coming at some point. He's a wing. Yeah. So I, I just I don't know where the minutes come from. And, again, this also, you know, I mentioned Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith. Neither of those guys play down those. low. They're, they're both wings. Yeah. So I just – I look at this roster and I think, like, yeah, I love Cam Thomas's potential, but where are his minutes? I don't see them right now. Yeah. And that's someone that, you know, I'm sure Sean Marks wants to get more value out of him before trading him, but he's someone you might want to trade. He's someone you might want to look into moving before the, the trade deadline come midseason. Yeah. I think if you're not going to play him, it's like you got to see what you can get for him. You know, and we talk about this Tyler Hero situation – if you know if it comes to that and we like i said if we're going to replace cam it, the best thing we could do is kind of package something for tyler hero and if that if it comes to that you know what i'm saying um but i think i think giving away cam for nothing or letting him trade him for, if sean marks does that trading cam for like a couple picks or something like that i would that would just make me sick to my stomach because this guy is just a true gifted talent and he's only what 22 22 years old he, right. he has like just imagine Cam Thomas on a team like an OKC 
or a team that has young stars or guys that are developed Memphis. You yeah. just imagine the amount of buckets he would get and his game would just grow from those kind of teams, you know? And, and it, it would be no fault to his own if it doesn't work out in Brooklyn because Brooklyn yeah. drafted him. Yeah. They had every opportunity to develop him and yeah. play him, and they chose not to for whatever reason. So it, it would if it doesn't work out with Cam Thomas in Brooklyn, it is 150% on the organization. Yeah. Um, you know, it's amazing that we've talked about so much with the Brooklyn Nets thus far in this podcast, because we are in the dead point of the off season. I, I mean, there's just not a lot going on. Like yeah. every single interview on the Paul George show with Jeff Teague, everything is like, that's news right now. Right. When Jeff yeah. Teague tells a story. Yeah. Um, so, you know, g- going off this trend, uh, I, I did, you, you brought it up before. Do you even really want to see the Nets involved in this Damian Lillard trade at this point? Or are you just you just done with it? You want to roll into the this season with Man. this roster? I, at first, like going into the offseason, I was like, when I seen the trade request and I seen Brooklyn, Dame Dame wants to go to Miami. Brooklyn's an option, and I was like, oh, I, my antennas went up. I'm like, whoa! But it's like now that I kind of sat back and think about it, I was like, I don't think we should just give up so much for Dame, you know, and fall into that that same circle we've been doing for the past few years, giving up everything for a star and it doesn't work out. Giving everything up for the stars doesn't work out. So I was, I moved on from the Dame Lillard situation and he just wants to go to Miami. So he killed that. Then it was a Tyler hero situation. I'm like, I would take Tyler hero. You know, if we didn't give up, like I said, if the most of it was, was like a first round and package was Spencer first round Spence and maybe add Dayron or cam one of those guys. What, uh, whatever they want, I think if that if that's the limit of what we get for Tyler, I think I would I would make that move if it was a first round Spence and maybe you know whatever. Um, I would definitely make that move with Tyler Hero because again Tyler Hero I think fits this team. He would be that scoring that we kind of lack. Um, we need a guy that we can give the ball to in the end. I mean, Mikhail's supposed to be that guy, but I we have to figure out the season if guy and when we're too down. Bucket, Mikhail or, or you know, touch bucket. I be Tyler if we can think about the. I mean, we could got Tyler. I think I would make that move. But now that the season is coming to a, like the off season, where we're going to be training camps in October, I think Sean's just going to stay still and be like, right, "I'm good. Uh, we're going to run it back." Yeah, at, at this point, I think I'd have to agree with you. I'm, I'm just—I don't want to be in the rumors. I want the roster to be the way it is. Mm-hmm. This is extremely random, by the way, because we gave ceilings for Nick Claxton and Cam Johnson. We never gave a player comparison to Mikael Bridges. The one guy that sticks out to me—I know I'm going completely off topic—is uh, Kawhi Leonard. Like, if yeah, Mikael Bridges, the same right? Thing. Yeah. If he were to yeah. unlock his entire, you know, bag and just be that dude, he'd be Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And it would be like Kawhi, like I said, 27 points per game, 50, 40, 90. Right. He, that's that's Kawhi for you. And then the, the two-way defense, the all-star the defense, defense, all defense. So that's a perfect – yeah, I agree. That's perfect for um, – Yeah, Mikhail sorry. I didn't mean to get off topic. I just – I wanted to share that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete, I know you have a, a few more questions in this in this dead point in the offseason, so I'll let you have at it. Not even – I was going to say, I think, uh, obviously, Sean uh, Marks is not going to add anybody else. Maybe another vet's minimum signing, right? The whole, I guess the whole goal of this offseason basically was 
Let's get under the cap. Let's reset, not under the cap, under the tax apron. Let's reset the tax. And then we kind of see what we're going to be doing going forward. It's not the years of KD or Kyrie anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Jeff Teague was on a podcast. I forgot what podcast it was on, but every he talked about the Nets Bucks series. I always just die a little bit inside whenever oh. I hear oh. stuff like this. And he said that they were cooked after game two. And then as soon as Kyrie hurt his ankle, kind of gave them life. It it kills me every time. Do you guys feel the same way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it hurts me to this day thinking about it. I remember exactly where I was when literally game one, I'm hype. I'm like, yes, I got my Nets jersey on. And then James Harden's hamstring just goes. (laughs) Literally the first three seconds of the game, I'm like, James Harden, hammy, done. Then I'm like, oh, what's going on? That we killed them game one and game two by like 30, 40. Kyrie goes down, and it's like, oh my god, we have the worst luck in the world. And then everybody's yelling at Giannis on Twitter, "You, you dirty, you hurt Kyrie." <laughs> and then we get to the KD goes God mode. KD goes God mode, and literally was this close away from saving us and going to the next round. And it's just, it hurts so much, man. Because I don't know if we ever get there again, bro. It hurts. I, I, I think it's. I, I think it's tough when like you're a fan and you see that happen and you're like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. But to hear in a like the player that actually won the series, who won a ring that year, be like, yeah, we didn't Cooks. think we had a chance. We thought we were, <laughs> we thought we were done, finished, finito. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, and then their second best player gets hurt. And like, you know what? Maybe we can win this thing. Like that. Yeah. Hearing Teague talk about it like that absolutely killed me. Yeah, we were cooked, bro. I was like, damn, like. Well, that three point at that's game seven when KD's foot was on the line, bro. That's I remember like it was yesterday, like where I was and how I jumped up. I was like, yeah. And then I saw the replay and I'm like, fuck it. And I'm like, damn, this, this is this is terrible. This hurts for us, man. And now we're going to go, we got to reset. And, and like Peter was saying, now, like, this is why I'm so upset at Sean Marks because the direction is like, I mean, the positive outlook, yes, we have all our draft picks, we have the assets to make the move for a star, but. He doesn't go – he doesn't – whatever he says in the offseason, he doesn't do, do what he says. He's been saying, yo, I'm going to get a rebounding. I'm going to address that. I'm going to get some nastiness. I'm going to get some rebounding. Every offseason he says that in interviews, and he never does it. <laughs> he never does it. And it hurts because it's like now we're in the mid – we're a midi team now. We're just mid. And now we're going to see if we can be – fight for a, what, 7, 8 seed? Six, what do y'all think? 6, 7, 8 seed is, is our – our ceiling, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, if that, if we're not a playing team, we could be a playing team if any, if everything goes wrong. Yeah, we, we did this on, I think, last week's podcast. We named mm-hmm. six teams that are definitely better than the Brooklyn Nets in the East. Yeah. And then, like, through seven through ten, it's a toss-up, right? Like, are, are we really better than a, a Chicago or, or even, like, an Indiana? I don't know. Those teams have some really good players. Those teams made some moves this offseason. And the East, like I said, ever since um the Suns um super team, when they did the Suns super team, it's like the whole league was like, okay, we're gonna be on super team mode now. And we've seen like Clippers stack up, we've seen um Boston get Kristoff Porzingis. Now teams are having like three all-stars, bro. Three all-stars, we're back to the three all-stars, three superstars. Like it's, it's getting crazy in the league. And then if if the Hawks, I heard the Hawks are going for Siakam. And then if, if Miami gets Dame, that's even puts us we're further down in the East. We're like a playing team if that if those things happen. <laughs> you know, if, if the Hawks get Siaka and Dame goes to Miami, we're we're cooked. You know, I think we're cooked. 
but it's 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 tough being a Nets fan right now. Yeah, I have yeah. an even worse scenario for you. You mentioned this before. What if Claxton does get hurt? I think we're a lottery team. <laughs> I think this is after a month. We're a, we're a lottery team. We are, we might, yeah, I agree. I agree. Lottery team with no pick. It's going to go straight to Houston, of course. And it's not fair to Claxton that he should get, like, all that weight is on him to be the starting center and be the center for us. Like, he should have some help. Give him some help rebounding. You know what I'm saying? Give him, give him somebody, a backup center. Christian Wood was out there. We couldn't have got Christian. There was a couple of guys out there we could have got. AJ, hey, hey, that that makes way too much sense for the Brooklyn Nets. And you <laughs> and I both know Sean Marks doesn't do things that make sense, right? Yeah. He he does things his own way. So the, the, yeah, I, I've been clamoring for a Christian Wood. Uh, again, like I'm I'm freaking desperate. I'll take Boogie Cousins out of retirement. I don't, bro. Care. I would have took Boogie too. <laughs> right? Like, give me any of these guys. Give me Javal McGee as a backup center. Javel, I know, I know he's a little boots. bit better than than DeAndre Jordan at this point, but like, yeah. I, I just want somebody. Right? Like, I, I love Dayron Sharp as much as the next Nets fan. I don't think he's gonna be the guy for the future in the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe he'll he'll find a niche in the league playing like backup for Memphis or or a team that, that needs those motor energy guys. But we don't need that at the – that like Claxton yeah. is a motor energy guy. We need a guy that can do other things at the position, hit mid-range shots. Bigger body. Bigger you know body, right. Yeah. Someone who can hang with the Steven Adams and, and those guys because Dayron's going to get bullied by those guys. So Yeah, and, yeah. and it's like, bro, with, with Dayron, like I say, let's – God forbid Claxton gets hurt, and now you're going to put Dayron at the center position. We already know Noah Clowney is um, – he's a G League. He's going to be in the G League for a minute because he's hes not ready. We know he's not ready at all. The Nets put Ben Simmons at the five, and this is what I was talking about, Sean Mark sending us up to fail. If Ben Simmons – because you know he's not going to probably play Dayron. Jacques might not play Dayron at the five. He might put Ben at the five or DFS at the five. Right. If Ben Simmons is hurt or Ben Simmons is not Ben, and you're putting Ben at the five – it's like, you know, it's we're, we're, it, what do we have? Ben Simmons is not a center. He, he shouldn't have to play center. You know, he like I look at a team like the Warriors with Draymond Green. When they play Draymond at the five, it makes sense. Yeah. To me, it never made sense with Ben at the five. He just he doesn't he's do the things that he's not a center. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I agree with you. All right, yeah. final final question uh, for this this dead period in the offseason. It is related to Ben Simmons. Did you see that fish that Ben Simmons caught the other day? That thing was oh, massive. Oh yeah, <laughs> fisherman Ben, man, I saw it, man. Ben been on the on his fisherman tour. This like, I mean, I'm hope I'm hoping he's doing some rehab and all, but he's been on his fisherman tour, bro. Like, I don't know, bro. He might have to be in those um, fishing man contests. Well, well that's like that. what I'm saying. If it doesn't work out in the NBA, you know, they show some of those fishing competitions on ESPN too. He might that might be his calling. <laughs> that's gonna be best calling. He don't got. He has no pressure at that boat, man. He's just in a boat, just you know, just <laughs> reeling. <laughs> Honestly, boat, that reeling might up. that might hurt his that might hurt his back a little bit. So I don't. You know. <laughs> I gotta I gotta stop. This is a, this is a man that can crush me with his left pinky, and I'm, I'm Yo, making jokes about his back. Are there any Ben stands that are gonna comment on your guys? Like the Ben stands? Probably. Here, I, yeah, probably. Oh. I'm, yeah. I'm sure there are a few. Yeah, the Ben stands gonna be hurt, man. They're like, don't talk about our guy like that. <laughs> oh man all right well listen aj it's been a blast thank you so much for coming on uh where where can everybody on twitter find you and is there anything that you would like to plug oh yes uh again follow me on twitter at nets kingdom aj um if you type in nets kingdom on youtube you'll find us instagram we're on um instagram nets kingdom one 
Um, follow my guys too. Saint Saint is on on Twitter at SaintNet1. Yeah, so all all platforms, all social platforms, you type in Nest Kingdom, and of course NestKingdom.net. We're dropping articles. Um, shout out to um, my writer Cipher Rage. Those guys drop really good articles. Um, and then you guys, yeah, you guys are welcome. Next time I get on stream, on because I'll be doing YouTube too. So next time we get on stream, I'm gonna definitely have you guys up there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I need you guys for on. sure. Yeah. We are there. Well, listen, we thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm Spencer. He's Pete. That's AJ from Nets Kingdom. Thank you for listening to another edition of Fireside Nets brought to you by Empire Sports Media. And as always, catch you on the fireside.